I, I saw Rocket League and I just I shut down. I shut down. I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Shut down. Cried. Poured a glass of whiskey. Exactly. You're listening to episode 149 of PHP Ugly, a podcast of developers talking about development stuff and other things of interest and things that excite us. Thank you for joining us today. Fun fact: we are the we are the uh, trailer for uh, we are the post credit scenes for End Games. Just so you know, this this is the post credit scene for, for. I'm your host. Eric Van Johnson, and with me, almost on a weekly basis, my good friends, John Congdon. Uh, yes, I'm here. And Thomas Wrightup. Hello, I'm here. I'm back. Welcome back, Thomas. We missed you last week, buddy. Yeah, I missed out. I missed on the, the uh, all the dreadfully embarrassing tax conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a real idiot. Uh, I mean, pretty much on the regular, I feel like a real idiot, but more of an idiot. Um, last week, when I had been sick all week, as John referenced in the in the show, and uh, I had totally anticipated you and John just basically doing the show, and I was I was going to. I felt obligated to be there because we're doing this new OBS streaming, which I'm like, okay, you know, I want to make sure that it's streaming correctly, but I really had no plans on talking. And then, of course, you bail. Mm. And so, you know, John and I are just trying to come up with material. And I'm like, I forgot, like, I only worked, like, through a quarter of the topics I had from the previous week. And I never even thought to to pull up my notes to talk about stuff i was so i was still so sick i was just trying to i was i was just trying to keep my head above water at that, that point and it turned out to be a great episode a little short which is perfect let's try and set a record and go even shorter tonight that would be amazing <laughs> i miss you too john it's nothing personal just want to go to bed i'm tired <laughs> For some reason. So what's everybody been up to? Oh, busy, busy. Yeah. Family, stuff. teenage stuff, work yeah. stuff. Been doing the, the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I got my uh, React GraphQL app finished. Very happy with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm going to go back and go over the entire thing again and understand the parts that I copy-pasted from Stack Overflow. <laughs> yes yes that's always good i'm super super excited that we have actually a couple of months scheduled out for sdphp which is a rarity usually we're struggling to get presentations lined up and we've already got next month which is going to be on event sourcing and then followed by which it turns out that speaker had to skip june but we have cqrs and what did he call it? The hexagon? Uh, I forget. The hexagon something. It, something with domain-driven design. Interested in hearing what he has to say. Hmm. Yeah, I, to- I told you as soon as I stop uh, going to the meetups, John, 
people people would start uh, coming. Yeah, yeah you, you were hey, right. I was right. <laughs> we miss you out there. And you need to come back. I will eventually. I, it, it won't be next month though. I got I got plans. I'm out of town actually. So we'll see. I'll, I'll make it back. I'll make it back at some point. We had a uh, we had fun today. AWS console was down today, which is really? like both. Oh man, it was becomes becomes so dependent on AWS and it always being up. So now just the console was down. Like the environments were still up. You just couldn't access. You couldn't access any of anything through the web interface. Terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Because you're just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's like okay. The console's the console's down. When when's everything else gonna come crashing down? And that's scary because might need to spin up new new instances to tackle load issues. See, the, this is where this is where I feel it's it's my own fault because you don't need the console for any of that. Like the the true AWS ninjas out there. I mean, they do everything through the APIs uh, and command line stuff. Yeah. See that that's what I was wondering is could you have downloaded a console that was open source and just purely driven by the APIs? Is there some kind of replacement console? You know, it's interesting you say that. I do actually have an application called AWS Console uh, from from Amazon that lives on my... I didn't even try firing that up today. I'm so used to going to the website. And I actually have... Um, I have AWS Console in my shift uh, that that application I was using to bring together all my regularly used apps, and that's that's actually where I was hitting it. I was hitting it there because that's where I'm used to going to the console now. And when it wasn't loading there, I'm like, oh man, what's wrong with Shift? And I went over to the browser and tried to load it, and I'm like, whoa, whoa! Huh. <laughs> I, I I totally forgot I had I actually have a standalone app, so. I, I I got to think it's probably just a Ionix app that's some browser wrapper, but I didn't I didn't try that. It, I should have tried that. That would have been a good thing to do. And also we had like um for a while nobody could get to the console and then uh one of our administrators was able to access the console, but like his default region was a different region from ours is what I was is what I was taking from conversation that was going on um so i don't know i don't know what happened but it it, it is absolutely nerve-wracking uh when that when whenever there's an issue at aws any issue at all is just you feel so helpless mm-hmm. well it's not just aws anytime something's going on in your environment that you don't have control over it's scary yeah very true. I remember running running my own servers, you know, in my own racks, and just anytime there was any sort of denial of service, now I got to get on the phone with internet service providers or, you know, applications crashing. Not fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, kind of like been there, done I, uh, that. I... Let AWS handle it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I shared with you guys uh, a while back um, how I follow coders and watch them on YouTube. And one of the more intense ones I follow was this uh, George Hotz. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, he does he does like live streaming for like five six hours. I mean, this guy doesn't do like 20, 30 minute clips. I mean, the guy streams his entire day, and it actually got me thinking. It's like you know, I, I've always wanted to to live code, like just be one of these people who could stream, you know, code and stream. But I'm because of the work we do. I'm like, well, I can't I can't just stream all this stuff, and you know. What's the real What's the real point of it? But I was thinking about it the the other day. It's like you know, it would be kind of cool if I could live stream my coding to the team, so that the team, if they're interested in seeing what I'm doing, can pop on see what I'm doing. A, a lot of uh, or not a lot, a few of our team members are, are really into workflows, and they like to see how other people work and the tools they're using and how they're using them. And uh, I, I always. I feel like I have a good set of tools that I use now and how I have them all, you know, tied together. So I started I started thinking that I was going to start streaming. And that way, like, they can log in. If they need to talk to me, they can see what I'm doing, see if it's a good time to talk to me and and all that. I don't know. The, I, just, I just had it as the, a thought. The benefit I see from it is you are assuming that people are watching you and it gives you a good reason to be able to talk to yourself without feeling weird. <laughs> well, the, and then there's the other issue too. It's like I don't want to pay you guys to watch me. Okay? That's not how this is working. <laughs> I'll pay them to watch me. There's, there's that too. But I, uh, I, I did it for a little while. Um, as it turned out, and we can talk about this more. Uh, I started, I started exploring uh, Slack replacements again, which led me down this path that. I ended up signing up for a month of Zoom, which is a uh, like hangout. You know, you, you share your screen, meeting, remote meeting sort of thing. So I noticed in Zoom, it has in your profile you have my workspace, which is basically what I just said. You just start streaming your stuff, and people join you. And so I did that for probably about an hour uh, yesterday, and. You know, I was getting some feedback from the team on it, and one of our team members, uh, she's she's like, yeah, you know, you know, she she made me realize that the stream she was viewing wasn't secure. Like, I not that it wasn't secure, but there was no password or anything. She I she just clicked a link and it took took her into my work. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't I don't want that, do I? <laughs> I don't want anybody just to be able to jump on and me. Uh, it it does a pretty good job at notifying me when people people join but in the instance where maybe i'm away from my desk somebody joins and i have something up that i don't want like just general public seeing i'm like oh yeah probably not a good idea so yeah but <laughs> so see that would be it. everything that i have on my computer all the time yeah absolutely especially for you well and even for me and even for me there's certain things on that i work on that I don't necessarily don't want the team to see. I, I don't mind them seeing it. I just don't want them to be distracted by it. Because, like, all of our team, everybody works... Everybody pretty much has a pro project they're focused on. Um, or at least a client. Like, certain certain members are focused on a client, but they have multiple projects. Me, on the other hand, I am working on all the projects with all the clients except for John's. I mean, John's probably got the only client that I don't do anything with as well as I'm working on the projects that are specific for Diego dev. 
And, you know, there are things that we're doing and we're putting in place. And, and again, it's not like we're trying to hide that from the team. It's just have, you know, they log on at the wrong, wrong time. They see what I'm doing. I don't want them to be distracted by that and go down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out what we're doing or why we're doing it. It's just like, don't worry about this. This is a, your project right now. And yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've then, like I said, I, I stopped the stream because, you know, of the whole public thing. I, I couldn't put a password on, on it. So I thought about doing that. So I don't know. I might do it again. I like the idea. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Oh my gosh. I cut over. That's to, better. Uh, How's this? That's better. All right. You want to? Uh, so cool. Let me bring it back. Yes. <laughs> are you with uh, us? You with us now, Thomas? Yes, I am. <laughs> that was uh, that was painful. Have I mentioned how much this new laptop I got has turned into a pile of complete garbage in like two months? No, hmm. you did not. I'm interested to hear about this because I've been wanting to buy a Linux laptop and I was all about the System76 route and you started talking to me about how much you were loving this Dell. and I, I was. I was looking at the Dell and I came real close to pulling the trigger on the Dell and didn't. So what's the problem? Um, so it just started hitching randomly. Um, <clears throat> opening a Chrome tab or closing a Chrome tab caused it to just completely lock for a couple seconds um all of a sudden i'm having some kind of new audio issue that i don't understand (laughs) right now during a podcast (laughs) which is always Um, the best time to have audio issues yeah uh the the fan on it you know i initially complained that the fan on this thing was too loud um and it turns out it's because the heat profiles for linux just aren't correct and can't get fixed that's that's always Uh, the problem with these vendors who put linux on their on their laptops is that they don't have the stuff in place for heat management that's that's the part that's killing me about this is because this is a ordered it with ubuntu installed Mm -hmm. i was i was looking at another thinkpad but it didn't they didn't have a window uh, they didn't have a non-windows option so I ended up going with this Dell, and after doing research over a period of time about what's all the things that are wrong with this laptop, it's like, yeah, going back to 2014, Dell doesn't care about its Linux version and ships it out with broken profiles and and poor power management yeah. and doesn't know how it... I mean... All they do is I, they, I they, just, it, they just turn the fan on and just let, let the fan run the whole time. Yeah, the fan just runs at 100%. Whereas I don't even know if my ThinkPad has a fan. I've never heard it turn on. Mm. But a YouTube video running at 1080p is enough to make this thing go full bore, uh, volume deafening, just terrible. Mm-hmm. And the problems with this laptop just seem to get like worse and worse every couple of days. And I'm in the process of dealing with returning it. I'm, I'm dealing with so much other crap right now that I was supposed to get busy returning this thing and, and talk to my boss about it and all that stuff, but I haven't even been able to. So, hmm. so I'm just dealing with this garbage laptop as my primary machine right now. And it just sucks. So, Eric, why are you 
considering a Linux laptop again. Because you go through this every, like, couple of months, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, really no, I, I really have no good reason. <laughs> it's not like I have a broken system. Well, I have, I have, my desktop's been giving me a little, little issue, but I have plenty of laptops. And it's one of the reasons why I haven't actually pulled the trigger. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I like the idea of having a Linux laptop, uh, with me, but I, I have, uh, I have no I, I had somebody ask recently, uh, and a couple people said, the ThinkPad P72 is their go-to with Ubuntu on it. That yeah, is... I mean, there's been so much, there's been so much talk about things. I mean, ThinkPads have always been kind of the big, uh, off-the-shelf inst- Ubuntu installs. Like they, they seem to to run best. Uh, Dell, as Thomas was, was stating, did a big push of having a line of Linux laptops and you know they they did a bunch of hype about all the work they were they were doing to make it run well on their hardware and then i i kept hearing all these mixed reviews certain people loved it uh there there were there are certain uh dell models specifically and one of them was the one that thomas has uh people were either loving it or hating it and like when thomas first got his he was absolutely loving it um but now you, you... Right, because it, it had a dedicated repo for Dell hardware compatibility stuff, and mm-hmm. it gets updates. The The problem I'm realizing is the hardware's garbage. Is they can support Ubuntu as much as they want to, the hardware sucks. Interesting. And, and, uh, and now, of the, course... This Lenovo... The, I still have my Lenovo, my ThinkPad, and the thing is a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And it's five or six years old now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so much better. I can't believe that this is an acceptable quality for this day and age on a laptop. Because it's just junk. And this is where I am i find myself completely spoiled with an Apple laptop. Because I'll go into a Best Buy or something, and there isn't a laptop I touch that feels durable. Like they all feel like shit. I'm like, I would never use this laptop as my main driver. Uh, I, I and and again, uh, back to what what I was saying, John. Uh, you know, now we have all these uh, builders who are who are Linux first, like Lin- Linux focused. And and Thomas actually lives right down the street from one of them. Uh, System seventy six is is huge. They're they're there in. Denver, yeah, they were the other one that was recommended, and yeah, and they're they're the ones they all they do is Linux, and all they do is uh, Linux hardware. So everything it, it's they really deep dive to make sure things work correctly. But I hear even they they have uh, fan issues on their laptops, and some of their laptops feel feel you know plasticky and and kind of cheap. Which I I've never I've never actually had my hands on a System seventy six laptop, but I tell you I mean this is where this this is where still to this day the the unibody metal Apple uh, laptops say what you want about them they feel durable they feel like a real machine and they hold up pretty well I mean I don't know I'm like I don't want to get in the whole you know what's better. Mac or Windows or Linux 
you know, debate, because we all know the correct answer. As far as hardware goes, yeah, as far as hardware goes, it, it's it's no brainer for me. It's so damn expensive. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Well, here, here's one example of something I'm running into, um, is if you Google Dell laptop 800 megahertz, you'll see one of the issues I'm having, which is that my CPU is pegged at 800 megahertz. Uh, all the time? Uh-huh. It's just, it's, just, it's just hauling ass the entire time. Jeez. Well, no, 800 megahertz would be about a third of what the CPU is supposed to run at. Mm. So it can't get faster than what I'll call a 20-year-old computer. That's hmm. it, it, infuriating. <laughs> I've, I've never had problems like this with, with Linux. And now, I'm also going to be ditching Ubuntu. I'm, I'm tired of Ubuntu's pace. Um, I'm probably going to switch over to Arch Linux at some point soon. Ooh, okay. I, did, I, I had a run with Arch <clears throat> Linux for a while. Nothing, nothing sure. bad about it. It's just, uh, it's just a rolling. It's what they call a rolling install. It's constantly yeah, updating. Yeah. Constant, constantly updating oh. packages, or see, that's what I'm down for. Yeah, it's it's like bleeding Everything. edge. Uh, they, you know, it, whenever whenever things are are released, it's it's pretty much released within the the stream, and Arch, you know, wants to update itself. I I I got Arch running on. Yeah. It takes a while to get it up and running. To, at least it used to. It's, I don't know. Maybe. It's the Laravel of distributions. It's the Laravel of distribution? Oh, as far as how often... Just lots it. lots of releases. Yeah. Constantly worried about rolling back. Yeah. It, it's a real thing, too. I mean, the idea of having to roll back is you need to learn how to do it. I haven't <laughs> used a, a Linux well, desktop since Red Hat was Red Hat. <laughs> you know, before Fedora... Before Red Hat went commercial, it's been a long time. Yeah, I've used. I'm okay with them. Um, what What's your problem with Ubuntu, though? I'm not sure. I, I, I followed that piece. It's just, it's just out of date for me. I mean, it, it constantly feels like it's installed junk that I don't like or care about. Yeah, but you know, but isn't the, it? Isn't, the, I mean. Isn't there something to be said? Like, if you want to use software, if it supports Linux, it's going to support Ubuntu. You know what I mean? Like, if there's a yeah. Linux you know, client for something, it's going to be on Ubuntu. Well, then there's my other option is running Mojave in a VM. Mojave, the the Apple uh, desktop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm considering running... OSX on this laptop. Why would you? Why would you do that? Why don't you just have your have your boss buy you a uh, a Apple laptop? He uses Apple. He'll buy it. I don't. I don't want an Apple laptop. No, you you want an Apple laptop. You just don't want to admit you want an Apple laptop. That's the problem. I do not. Yeah, I want a I want a ThinkBook, like a ruggedized ThinkBook, with a a Linux based Windows on it. That's my my dream system. Well, okay, well, then why don't you run Windows? I mean, it has the it has the Ubuntu subsystem now. Why don't you just do that? I could. Well, you, you could. I mean, I would definitely do, do that anyway. before trying to run. 
I would definitely do that before trying to run Mojave in a VM. That seems just that seems like punishment for no good reason. Well, there's punish yourself. There's a way to do it because laptops. My laptop has a discrete GPU and then it has a third-party GPU. So it's actually possible to set my laptop up to not use the third-party GPU, and then to have a VM dedicate the third-party GPU to a machine so it would run just the same as if it was running natively uh i would be surprised but yeah i i, I, think, I watched I it the linus, linus tech tips did a video about it and in, in theory i mean anything anything can feel like it's running natively for a day or two but you know come come back in a couple of months when you've tried to work on it well yeah i anything. felt i felt that ubuntu was running natively well enough here for a month or two yeah Exactly. Now, now I'm not happy with it. <laughs> I, I would definitely go the Windows route before trying to do any Mojave VM. But that's but, probably a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Or or dual boot and try it out. Let us know how it works. Dual booting oh, is no okay. fun. Damn, you talk you talk no. about old time. I can't even tell you the last time I've had a dual boot machine. I ninety nine was probably the last time I had an actual <laughs> dual boot machine. Yeah, that was when I installed Gentoo Stage Three, where you you boot off of a, a kernel on a CD, mm-hmm. and then you have to compile every component one at a time, and you have to do a ch root to get into the active system and start replacing the kernel while it's running. Mm-hmm. That's fun stuff. <laughs> That was that was fun. But those days are gone. I don't have the time for it anymore. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, playing I hear you. They say playing way too much Rocket League to be able to mess with the system. <laughs> exactly. You gotta keep that Diamond 2 rank up. Does that run on Linux? Uh you know, everything kind of runs on Linux now. Steam released a a version of their client that can boot almost any Windows game into Linux using a combination of tools that have been available for a while mm-hmm. but weren't weren't ever bundled together in a very useful way. Uh, so I can I can actually pull up Steam on my Linux laptop and I would say ninety percent of my games will will start up and run fine. Run fine, like I mean, they're actually playable. Yeah, like like totally fine. Because I know I, I know uh, Precious over here. He he had to take his desktop home because he wasn't getting the performance out of his laptop for some game <laughs> he was playing. It, it's my one the one game I play. Give me a break. Yeah, Rocket League, ponies, ponies and rainbows. Oh, I I got Sekiro, the new FromSoft game. That thing is brutal. That's such a great game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know games. I've been watching people play Apex Legend. That's the that's the latest game I know of. But that's about it. I, I still don't understand the whole watching people and, play and again, games. Again, I don't. I don't actually. I don't have time to play them. I just don't have time. I can watch and code, and I can watch somebody else play and get just as much enjoyment out of it. But I don't have time to sit down and you know. There's other things I would do with my time than to spend hours playing. See, yeah, I think. Game. I used to be that I think person. that's why I like Rocket League. I, I'll jump in for play one game, which is 
five minutes plus the in-between stuff so maybe as much as 10 minutes for a game and then put the controller down mm-hmm. and get back to work or whatever i'm doing yeah, see, I don't have yeah, you that can, personality. Yeah, you can really jump in and out of it. I, see, I don't have that personality. I, I don't know if I would... Like, I, I get... I kind of go all in on stuff, and I get competitive and, you know, want to win, so I would... I know I would struggle with that. Uh, I don't... Yeah, see, well, you need to play, like, a, a relaxing, casual game, like Flower, where you're just a, a petal of a flower floating in a field... You need something to take the edge off. Why, why would I play that game? There's so many other things I would do that do that. I don't know. It's a very very popular game. What is, it's a real game. What flower. is the purpose of said game? Yeah. To relax and, ins- and explore a artfully rendered field in Sweden. Hmm. You just float on the wind and just sort of look... Alright. What what it's just called Flower? Yeah, Flower. We need to put this in the in the show notes here. Flower video game. Oh, it's on the PlayStation 4. And on, on Yeah, Steam. it was it originally released for PlayStation 3, got a remaster, and then got released for Steam like two weeks ago. This is just This is interesting. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes. Flower. I, I'm, yeah, not, I mean, I'm not playing Flower. I have no intention to play Flower. Uh, don't invite me to play Flower. But we'll put it in the show notes for anybody who wants to see what we're talking about. Oh, I guess it, There's also a game called Journey. Journey is a very light, relaxing puzzler. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, we're streaming. I could have done it over here. Hey, what happened? I've been having that happen a lot yeah. lately, too. Switching over to Brave, and I'm typing before it comes up. <clears throat> you know, uh, speaking of Brave, somebody else had had mentioned that. That's not it. That that wasn't. What that I is wanted. not the same one. Uh, um, Brave announced that uh, its paid advertising system is live today or yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah, so now you can earn those bat tokens by watching some garbage that somebody wants you to buy that costs more than the tokens you'll ever earn. Okay, well, I don't, I don't use that. So I don't care. So here's here's flower for for people watching the stream. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, you... do that. And uh, it's funny, I've been trying to work through some of my issues with Brave. Um, I, I'm still using it. I mean, it's it's been a couple couple months now i feel like i've been using it uh and it's it's my daily driver on all my machines so i'm okay with it um you know there's a couple of quirks i i just figured out how to chromecast with it uh thanks to john's help and suggesting i google it he's like somebody else has to have this problem here google it <laughs> i forgot about that so uh, <laughs> So I, uh, I I got Chromecast working. Um, I still can't answer phone calls on Hangouts, which, you know, I don't... That's a little yeah. frustrating. Uh, I don't know if it's a problem or not. I, I run Chrome just for Hangouts. And then, then yeah. I'm using Brave. Although after our interview with Chris, I feel I, like I, I guess I could do that again. as well. 
Yeah, but Hangouts doesn't work in Firefox. That's that's actually... Him and I shared tweets on that a while back. I am using Firefox a lot more now. Um, so I, I, I'm bouncing... Like, if something doesn't work correctly in Brave, before I before I jump over back over to Chrome, I'll pull it up in Firefox. But I've been bouncing between Firefox and Brave a little bit more. Um, I like... I'm trying. I'm trying to like Firefox again, uh, but Hangouts is just. I, there's there's no Hangouts plugin for Firefox. There's no way of using it without it being like a full hmm. page, which is frustrating. Well, you could export Hangouts as a uh, as an app, like yeah. I did with the the Google Messages. You do that. There's also. I mean, there's also clients that you. You, well, the problem with using the clients is again you can't answer phone calls. Yeah, so it's, but, so mean, it's not the Hangouts for having meetings. We're talking about Hangouts we use for Google Voice calls, chatting, SMS, and that that does it have a, a web interface? Well, it's a Chrome extension for all of this these pieces. Well, no, no, I know the extension, but there, isn't there a web interface mm-hmm. as well? There is. Yes, is there? So if there's a web interface, you could export it with, uh, with, web, thingy, packer. Yeah. God, what's it called? <laughs> uh, when, when you find it, throw it in the show. I, I like Electron. I like web thingy packer better. Have you guys? Well, it's it, it's what it does. Electron just makes a a single app out of a web page. Yeah, there's a, there's like a couple it. NPM packages out there that 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 will do it for you, but again, they're not fantastic. But yeah, I'm with I'm with you, John. I've been trying to use after talking to Chris, I've been trying to use Firefox just because again, I like the message. I like I like who they are as a company, um, but it's still not my still not my daily driver. But I probably I probably pop over to Firefox every day now. Where. Where I was just doing it for Facebook, I actually do it for other things now. Interesting. Speaking of NPM, I saw you had posted something about Ugh. that. Yeah, did you see that? I guess there's. I I didn't even think about about that. There's a there's a company behind NPM. And uh, I guess they're having they're having some sort of issue where they're, they're trying to certain people inside are trying to unionize and they're they're potentially being let go or harassed or I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out money. It's, it's right. Well, okay. I mean, that's, so here's that's the a thing, big though. Question for me. It's like, yeah, how do how do this they is money? this is the register. Yeah, you you should know not to trust the register. Okay. So if you Google NPM Inc. Union, the only thing that comes up is that register article. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Second page pulls up packed, but that article is just a rewrite of the of the register article and shows and links directly back into the register article. I guess Y Combinator probably just links to the register. 
Right. So you're saying you're saying it's not a real story? It's it's fake news. I'm just saying everything on the register. Take it with a grain of salt. Okay, well it's that's the fine. Tech I'll take it. I'll take it with National Enquirer. It's fine. I'll, I'll take it with a grain grain of salt. That, that's that's fine. I'm I'm fine with that. But the question still is, you know, it is a company, right? And to John's point, you know, how do they make money? And you know, what happens when there's a company behind uh, managing all these dependencies, these package dependencies that all these other companies are building software on? What happens when they decide, oh, you know, we want to start making money now. We we want people to pay us ten dollars or ten cents a download or something like that. I mean, how does Composer work, right? I mean, Composer is that is that a company or is that just an open source project for for PHP? I think it's just I mean, an open source project. Not Composer. Uh, pa- packages. I mean, I know packages has a has a private listing that you can pay for, which seems to be the way you know NPM should be doing it. But as far as their open uh, listing where anybody can go download, I mean, somebody is somebody's managing that, right? I mean, that's not just it's just not out there in the ether. That's a, a good question. Yeah, according to Packages site, they are completely donation and private packages supported. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of other projects are offshoots of companies that find value in providing back to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's all fine and dandy. I mean, I'm okay with with companies doing that. The ones that scare me are the ones that. That don't seem to be making money. <laughs> I don't have any rev- revenue stream. I mean, for Firefox to do something like that, where you know they you know, they have money and and they make money, and you know that that's one thing. But for just any, I don't know, it, it's weird. I I would be concerned about that. So according to NPM's how to make money page they have a private version as well uh small teams and organizations seven dollars a month enterprise undisclosed please contact sales yeah that's that's pretty common uh, all right well well these are these are definitely these are critical services that we can't have go away on us Literally, or yeah, or companies uh, unlike the AWS console, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, how does uh, AWS make money? Man. That doesn't make any sense. How do they make money? I think, <laughs> I think they sell books, that's where the real money is. Uh, hand, hand over foot is how they make money. <laughs> what else have you got going on? Well, we're talking, talking a lot about using multiple systems. And talk a little bit about workflows. And I'm trying to establish a new workflow. So I, I am notorious for having multiple systems. I have um, in, in our Diego Dev office, I have a lap, uh, desktop. And then at home, I have a laptop. And occasionally, I will actually work off another laptop, uh, depending on if I'm traveling or, or, or what have you. Well, you're in this Skype call twice already. 
So you're already on two systems just to make a phone call. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is this is a perfect uh, scenario. So, you know, I have a laptop that runs OBS uh, because we all saw what a pleasure it was running OBS on my desktop and trying to broadcast from it at the same time. So I always run into these little challenges, and I know John feels this pain to a degree as well, where I'll be doing work on one of my systems and um, I'll go to another system, and I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't commit those changes. And you know, your, your, first kind of, your first thought on this will, you know, put all your stuff in Dropbox. And, yeah, that almost works, but when you're talking about Git repos and, you're, and you switch between branches and stuff, uh, especially if you have lap, laptops that you don't keep online, um, that initial sync can be... Painful, especially, very, especially very in a coffee shop. Especially, especially in a coffee shop. So I've been trying to come up with a with a new workflow that would allow me to keep my GitHub repos in sync on all my systems, and not have to suffer through seeking. I, I mentioned before, I work on several projects at a time. I don't want to sync. You know, the last four projects I've worked on in those repos, I just want to sync the one repo I'm working on at that particular moment. And so I've I've taken to um leveraging one of the one of our servers and actually link syncing doing an R well, so there's a couple things I do now. And I'm still working through the workflow for anybody interested, anybody who might be in the same position I'm in. But um, because I'm using PHP Storm now, PHP Storm has a feature in it where you can uh, deploy to a server. And the idea is you, know, you you typically deploy to like a web server if you're doing like a, a like a test web server or something. But I just I just deploy it to my home directory on on this remote server, and every time you save a file, it will automatically upload. Like PHP Storm automatically keeps things in sync. And that that actually does a really good job. If you're a PHP Storm user, that that's almost all you need. To to a um, point. I I used to do that as well because I only worked on a remote server. And if you if you are like me and have tons of branches, and you happen to switch back to a really old branch, that could take forever to to resync all those changes again. And if you go back and forth, that's just yeah. yeah. So the other thing I started doing, and again, because I don't only use PHP Storm, is I have a rsync script that synchronizes, and it takes a little bit more time. I mean, I'm sorry. It's it it's actually a little quicker, uh, but I have it configured a little differently than what I think PHP Storm's doing. Um, I don't know yet. I don't know yet how I feel about it. So essentially what, what I'll do is if I'm working on a project, I just fire off this FS watch command that watches the, the directory. And then every time there's a change in the directory, it will rsync uh, those changes to a remote server. And it also rsync stuff down. Like the first time it runs, it rsyncs both ways. And because it's command line, because it's rsync, it's actually pretty quick. 
I have a bunch of exclusions in there, like my vendor directory and the node modules directory. So I still have to run composer install. I still have to run npm install on my local machine. But the the syncing becomes really, really fast. And then with the FS watch that I run, as I mentioned, it just watches the directory. And then much like PHP Storm, every time there's a change, it just kicks off this rsync command real fast. And I, and I run that whenever I'm using like VS Code or Vim or one of the other tools that, that won't do it automatically like PHP Storm. And I'm having d- decent success with it. I haven't I haven't shot myself in the foot yet. Um <laughs> but I feel like it's coming. Like I feel like I feel like it, it could but happen. Why why is that any easier than just doing a git commit and git push at the end of your day? So that's Great question. It's not easier. And if I can, that, that actually what's, is what started this is I was actually trying to think I was going to write a script that did that in all my director in all my repos uh, every hour. Um, so that even if what, what, what's happening is I forget to do it. That's, that's my biggest problem is I forget to do it. I walk away, I leave and I'm like, Oh crap. I forgot to commit that. You know the work that, I was working on. Commit it and push it to my repo. Yeah. So with this FS watch, you know, again, like like you're familiar with, John. All it's doing is syncing with a remote server, and then I go to another machine, and it starts syncing down to that machine as well. Yeah. So I think you. I think your first. It's, it's working. There has to be. I think his your. <clears throat> there has to be some kind of private Dropbox, though. Like some kind of. You. We have very high bandwidth at our houses or workplaces we should be able to set like configure something that handles it, that it does for them like like you said it does for the most part like if if you have everything running at your location it's fine it's when when you go to a coffee shop and and you have to switch over that's that's with or, or you're at a conference for example and you know that's mm-hmm. where things get really painful um it's not it's not a problem with so much well i mean yeah i mean i I guess it's a problem with dropbox but in dropbox even has now it has uh what they call selective syncs so basically everything's in the cloud and you tell it what you want synced to your laptop which is which has really been super helpful i might add if if you're a dropbox user i think it's in beta but if you pay for dropbox there's a beta program you can, you can be, become a part of called Selective Sync, and essentially what it what it does is you can tell it, hey, put everything on the cloud, but only sync these selective files locally. And what's cool about it is you still have visibility to all your files; they're just on the cloud. If you want to access them, you you, you click on them like normal. It just takes an extra second for it to open up because it has to do a quick download from the cloud to open up. Um, so there's that, but even that's like, I don't know, not really what I'm looking I, for. I think your first response of writing a script that auto commits and auto pushes, I'd much rather see that than the whole rsync thing. Cause you, it just feels like something's going to get missed or I don't know. It just seems like a, yeah. So, so my thinking, my thinking with, I agree with you that something might get missed. But my thinking with that is if something gets missed in the RC, then that's fine. I still have it on that. I'm still in the same situation I would have been anyways, where 
oh, it's on my it's on my work computer. I ha- I just have to get back to work. Like I I had this issue the other day. I'm still getting used to this workflow, and I forgot to kick off my little script. To I was working in a directory, uh, working in a project. And I I forgot to I, I had not configured PHP Storm yet, and I forgot to kick off my script. And so I got home and I went to pull it up, and I'm like, damn it. Because I'm I'm attacking projects as, as they come up, like as they start working on projects, I I configure the script, I configure PHP Storm, um, but occasionally, you know, I'll come across a project that I you know I hadn't touched in a while, then I'm like, oh crap! I, I I not only have to configure it at work, but I have to configure it at home as well for PHP Storm. The script is pretty easy because I just it just lives in uh, Dropbox and I just run the script, so that that's actually not that big of a deal, but but it's still it's still a conscious memory of of remembering to run it. So, I guess my point being, I'm just back in that situation where I, where I just got to commit something. the The issue I have with commits is that just seems like that that just starts polluting your repo as well. If if you just have commits every, even if it's like every six hours or something. Yeah, but they're they're easy enough know. to squash and. You, I'm assuming you're using GitHub's squash and merge now and not just merge. So yeah. it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it being as big of a deal. I, I pollute all of my uh, branches with commits. Cause I, I switch <clears> so <throat> often and I'm just in the habit of commit done, you know, where if there were, yeah. if there were yeah. some that are automatic commit, because it came out of cron, I'd be fine with that. Yep. Yeah, maybe I'll think through that again. I mean, even if it was just like a commit like at six o'clock at night every night or something. You know, just like I don't know. Something. Well, and then what what do you happen? I wonder yeah, see in my head and this is what I was working through when I when I was thinking about doing it is you know, what happens when it gets the the commits get out of sync where like I have my home my home does a commit and now my my computer at work can't commit because it, it's behind you, know, you you almost have to do a pull and commit every time I don't know I'm still thinking about it yeah right now this seems to be working or don't have any any automation and just suck it up and you know do your own commits properly yeah. <laughs> And, and just be pissed off when, it, when you forget, because that's where I'm at now. I just what? I'm in the habit. I'm hit it almost all the time. Where I'm I'm good to go when I get to the office or get home. Uh, and then the, mm-hmm. the few times where I forget, it's um, there's got to be something else I can work on right now. I, I mean, you just need a sign at the at the door when you're leaving the office it says did you remember to get push in, in case of fire get commit get push <laughs> yeah i i had an interesting one today we we'd been running an ab test on stuff and uh decided you know we were going to go with the b variant and the ticket today was to go in and delete all of the uh a test stuff and override it with the B test stuff. And it's like a giant chunk of code that we're just going in and deleting. And 
I, I normally I just like comment it or I rename it to dot back. I, I do something dumb because I don't ever fully trust my revisioning. But today I decided, no, I'm just going to go get RM and get MV and screw it. I'm going to do it and... and Do it the big boy way. Yeah. And just pray that uh, gets as good as it says it is and I can roll back if I ever need to. You... Do you guys do you guys leave a lot of commented uh, out code? Not anymore. No. no. Yeah, I, I, I've got very, very, not only me but my entire team. They're very uh, housekeeping oriented. They like to clean. They like to clean up code all the time. I mean, no, no files that get don't get used. Like I, I was always in a bad habit. I had my little um, Laravel make command where I would do. Um, I would do like make model and then I would do dash M C R, which would make a migration, make a controller, a resourceful controller, uh, F right. makes a factory. And half the times I wouldn't even need a controller or a factory. And, uh, sure enough, I mean, the team, the team nail would nail me on it every time. Hey, we're not using this controller. Let's you know, delete it. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but it's so like, hard to recreate. Like, but we have, you know... <laughs> exactly. I'm like, but, you... but we have a model for it. Shouldn't we have a controller even if we're not using it? <laughs> you should check out my, my GraphQL React library. I keep or, meaning or to app. check it out. Yeah. That's... Because I have one controller, and that one controller has one method that just says... Load index.php. Just load the index page. That's it. Everything else is JavaScript. You need to put a link to that in uh, in the show notes. And you know what else I'm going to interest both of you, actually? Um, I'll have to find it. I think I saw it on Reddit today. Uh, somebody released a Vue.js GraphQL Rocket League uh, leaderboard or something. Oh. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Uh, I, you, guys, you guys are so weird about that game. Make sure you, uh, oh, let's see. I, I just, I just love, I love working in React. I love how you can boil everything down into components and structs and, and just, the way things interact with each other. Did I, did I say um, React or Vue.js? Yeah. I said Vue.js. Yeah, right? You said Vue. Okay, just, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, the, the one big thing is I didn't have a good grasp on the syntax for JSX, which has a lot of stuff with parentheses and back quotes versus forward quotes and how the all of them are very different from each other. Um, so after finishing my app and not being totally satisfied with some of the stuff it was doing, I did go back and just read the full documentation on JSX. And that helped out a lot. But it's just, it's just so pretty. It's just so fun to work with. Yes, I should have, I should have bookmarked this. I'm a bad, I'm a bad developer. <laughs> Yeah, I saw Rocket League and I just I shut down. I shut down. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Shut down. Cried. Poured a glass of whiskey. Exactly. 
If they've taken so it's much from me. It's been years now. Time to be over it. Think I, they, I can't forgive they've given them. They've you more than they've taken. You've gotten to go to a couple of baseball games because of them. All. That's true. That's true. That is true. Baseball being, of course, the wrong sport. What do you mean? It should have been soccer, but... Oh, because, oh I get it. Here's, here's one thing I kept running into is that uh, in JSX, when you're returning, you want to put parentheses around what you're returning because JavaScript will try to insert a semicolon where it thinks one's missing. But if you put parentheses around the whole thing, it won't try to. It'll see a multi-line string as a multi-line string. It's weird stuff. Hmm. Do you know what's a rocket pass? You guys know what rocket pass is? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what he... The article is, I've taken rocket pass way too seriously and created a rocket pass tracker. And I guess he did it with uh, Vue.js and GraphQL. And I don't know how I know that. Because I'm reading it now and I don't see it written here. How did I know that that's what he did? Huh. That's interesting. I don't know how I know this. I know that I know this is where I ended up this morning, but I don't know how I know it's Vue.js and GraphQL. Interesting. I don't know, uh, but uh, I put it in the show notes, and you guys can look at it. That's about as much research as I'm doing on anything rapidly for you guys. In the show notes, you guys can check it out. Uh, so he originally posted this project on the Vue.js subreddit. The one you're looking at is the uh, Rocket League subreddit, where he reposted it and didn't say what stack he was using. Uh, but over here, he says that he is using uh, Vue, Vue and GraphQL. Ah, yes. Yes, I see. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you click on it, it takes you to the article. Yeah. Oh, it does, it does say yeah, so... at the top of the article. Oh. He's using Postgres, uh, Hasura on Heroku, View Apollo, which is what I'm... It's a version of what I'm using for my app. Alright, let's put that one in, in uh, Trello. Put this one in Trello, and we'll just delete. It's not open source, though, so... He says he doesn't want to give out the code. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well. Oh, well, well, well. So, that gets him left out of the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I've been I've been toying around with an idea. Um, could use y'all's input since you guys were so helpful with my... Last time I thought I had a good idea. And, and... Okay, but you have to hear my idea afterwards. No, I'll hear yours first if you want. What's your idea? Well, are right. you wearing a Laravel shirt? What are you wearing there? Awesome games done quick. Oh, I th- speed running. For some reason, I thought that was uh, that said Laravel. For some reason, my idea is a website that ships a USB drive to somewhere that you want it shipped to, good, with good any data that you put on it. Okay, like like the post office. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. So I let's say I'm working on a game and I want to send it to my friend who doesn't know how to use the internet very well or doesn't have a good connection. Mm -hmm. 
I would go to this website, upload a zip file, and say ship it to this person. And they would put it on a zip drive and ship it to that person. And, you, and you, this is the, this is to save you the inconvenience of putting it on a USB drive and doing it yourself. This is that it saves you the inconvenience of buying a USB drive, going to the post office. I mean, I could just do it from here. If I have the newest episode of Game of Thrones, I could just throw it on a drive and send it to my friend who doesn't understand how that, to download. That's things. exactly why that company will never exist. <laughs> this is so the, the pirated reason you just you just mentioned. <laughs> This is the thing, is that if the content gets to them encrypted already, then they don't have any reason to deny you shipping this drive off. So, so if there so was your, a client... Your, if the, your friend who doesn't know how to download something off the internet will know how to take a USB drive and unencrypt it. Yes, because it will have the encryption key 1234 written on top of the drive... And then, I mean, look at how much USB drives cost. It's a very low barrier of entry. Yeah, but you're, and you'll, you'll be paying a markup because you're using a service instead of doing it yourself. Absolutely. You can order, you can order a, a dozen USB drives, a, a gig a piece off Amazon for probably three bucks. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you end up paying $15. Not, not I wouldn't. Wouldn't be a gig a piece. I mean, you would pay based off of how much data you need to mm-hmm. mail somebody. Yeah. But yeah, I could send somebody the entire most recent season of The Magicians. Mm-hmm. You can do that today. Sure, but I'd have to go buy a thumb drive mm-hmm. and then put the media on there and then go to a post office and mail it. But can't yeah. you? Can't you talk? Can't you could streamline that process for five bucks. I think people would get into it. Whoever. Show them how to download content? I don't understand the purpose of this. <laughs> no. My my friend is very not savvy in that sense. <laughs> then they should they shouldn't really have a computer, probably you definitely shouldn't be helping them pirate stuff. <laughs> well that's the thing is that if you put if you drop videos onto a thumb drive, you can plug it into a PlayStation 4 and it'll play the videos off the thumb drive. Mm-hmm. Unless it's encrypted. Except it's encrypted. that's fine that's 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 one of my ideas i'm giving that one out for free my other one i'm not giving out for free because it's a good idea (laughs) what's your idea i'll give you my idea but uh you you just reminded me of something i actually got a phone call from from a scammer uh who this is the first time i've had him take this route they called me up uh, and they were from Apple support and they were letting me know that my um, iCloud account has been compromised. And uh, yeah, they, the first thing they say is, you know, don't they got pictures of all your lady bits. They said, they said, don't, don't try changing your password right now or the hackers will, will delete all your data. You know, let me get on your, on your desktop and I will help you resolve this. And of course, you know, I fuck with these guys all the time and I don't care, but, one of our developers was here at the office when it was happening, and and I was kind of you know I was playing stupid, and you know eventually eventually I let the guy know I'm like listen you're 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 a scammer we're not doing this blah blah blah, but my developer came walking over and he's like oh my god I just about had a heart attack I heard you talking to him and I thought you were actually doing it, yeah. but that's the first time I've ever heard him target like first thing I'm thinking to myself I'm like. You're targeting my iCloud. Like, 
what do you plan on doing? Like, why would I ever give you access because somebody has compromised the password on my iCloud account? It's so well, weird. Well, your iCloud, your iCloud account could be used to generate a new thumbprint that ties to your credit card. No, but my my point being is, if 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 they were Apple, I mean, I, like I try to put myself in the, the mindset of like my mom, who who may get manipulated by this stuff, and try to understand like the logic that they're trying to say of why they want on my desktop. And for something like iCloud, like if they were really Apple support, if my iCloud was compromised, there would be absolutely no reason at all they need access to my desktop. Like it's iCloud, it's literally iCloud. It's everything's yeah, but, in the cloud. But older, if they were older, Apple support, older well, but people, people are, don't understand that. People think yeah. it's on their computer. And it's and it's support. That's, that's it's, what I'm it's saying. Call them support. They're they're trying to help me. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know. My and my mom's been my my mom's been scammed by this stuff before, and it it just breaks my heart. Yeah. Here. Every time every time it happens, it, it breaks. My, my dad heart. has to. And somehow I've <sighs> that, all that stuff has we gotten into my YouTube. We gotta get recommendations lately, so I've been watching a ton of those videos as well. Of peep peep oh people messing with scammers. About... Yeah, I love this. Love those. You want to talk? So let's. Talk about YouTube for for a little bit. We we've been talking for a while about how I I, I have lived in my DiegoDev.com domain probably for the last seven years. Like that's it's it's a it's a G Suite account, so you have all the benefits of Google. But as we've talked in the past, it's limited. Like there's certain things you can't do in a G Suite account that you can do with a normal Gmail.com account. With um, a free some of the bigger Gmail ones are things <laughs> versus a paid a free account. Gmail. Account. And and, a, and the example is if you pay for other services on on Google, like Google Movies, Google Music, any of that stuff, on the free Gmail dot com account, you can share with family. On the paid account, you you can't share with anybody. Like you can't have family attached to your your G Suite account. It makes perfect sense. It's been so frustrating for me. Um, so over the past couple months, I've been trying to migrate all of my entertainment stuff back over to my Gmail.com account. So, so like my music, because I use I use Google Music. I pay for Google Music, and um, all my YouTube watching, which is what what made me think of this, John. Oh my God! It is so painful now to try to retrain Google on all the video streams. <laughs> like on my on my DiegoDev.com account, its recommended its recommended stream was pretty much on point. Like every day, I could log on and see videos that I I wanted to watch. Now I'm back to like three years ago on like on like videos like I have no interest in. It's like it's just like unloading all these videos onto me. I'm like I'm trying to train it to you know to the same streams that I used to watch. Like again, you know, uh, Georgia Hots. You know, I, I'm trying. I have to go find his videos, and then it keeps recommending me videos from him from like two, three years ago. I'm like, no, I wish there's a way to tell Google don't recommend any video that's over a week old. Like if it's over a week old, yeah. I don't care about it. You know. 
But I've been, it's been such a painful process of trying to retrain that algorithm on my free account. Ugh, it's frustrating. But... YouTube is bad, just generally speaking. I mean, it has so many problems, and to the extent that people are talking about using Pornhub as their upload site now. What? Like regular content. <laughs> There's regular content creators who are uploading to Pornhub because the revenue share and the advertising you is less strict. Stop it. Are you serious? No, not at all. Absolutely. You can go on Pornhub and just see regular like videos now? Yeah. Because they don't care. Well, obviously. They don't, they don't have this fight with advertisers that YouTube has. They're not this massive multinational conglomeration. And to be clear, you don't work for Pornhub. No, I don't. Right. So, but if they're listening, <laughs> if if they need a uh, if they need a developer, that's uh, I I will have to I will check that out later tonight. Not now. I won't do it on the stream. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, not a not the safest place to do it. Okay, my my idea. Oh, uh, one more piece on that. Um, Google uh, Suite account, John, you may be interested in. Uh, somebody in Discord had shared with us that uh, supposedly a Google Assistant now integrates with G Suite Calendar, which was another pain point oh, really? for us. A Google Assistant didn't. Now, when they shared it in Discord uh, and they shared it with a link, it said, as of today, for the next couple of days, I tried to get the calendar integration working with my Google Assistant, and it's, it's still kept saying no. I don't know if it needed to be updated or not. Um, now, that was, a, that was a week or so ago, so it might it might work now. I haven't tried recently. But just so you know, if, if you wanted to give it a shot, supposedly G Suite calendars now work with Google Assistant, which, again, major point of frustration from on our part because our... Diego Dev calendars, our main calendar, and not to be able to get our our stuff from there was frustrating. Okay, my my I, idea. Oh, go ahead, Thomas. I was just gonna say I'm surprised there isn't an open assistant. Uh, there, you know, there, like there is. Uh, there's um, there's uh, Minecraft, right? Uh, Minecraft, Minecraft. Is that still around? Minecraft? Not Minecraft. Mycraft. Mycraft, I think it was? Let me see. Oh, Mycroft. Mycroft. That's it. Croft. That's, yeah, that's the the villain from the uh, open Sherlock Holmes. The open-source voice assistant. It was a, uh, it was one of those GoFundMes or whatever that was, Kickstarters, and now it's full-fledged. I even think that they, they were talking about having a desktop version. I don't know if they do or not, but... Uh, I see one, hundred forty nine dollars. Well, it's got a cute little face. They too. have a device. Yeah, I'm saying there there was supposed to be a they they were making desktop versions as well. So like Siri on on your, I think it was I think Ubuntu was actually the first one they were tar- targeting where you could just put it on your desktop and say Minecraft, you know, do something. Yeah, this is this has been out for a while. I used to follow this project pretty closely. Oh, here you go. AI for everybody. Hmm. Minecraft is the world's first open uh, software for many platforms. There's a Raspberry Pi version, a Linux version, and an Android version. 
I huh. may have to try that Raspberry Pi version. Because the Raspberry Pi was what they were basing their, their device on. It was a Raspberry Pi. Um, I don't know if it still is. It was in the early days. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to actually have to try to build this myself. This this could be a fun little uh, Raspberry Pi project to work on. See, my, my concern is just, can I get it to support multiple streaming platforms when i say i want this platform i play place something on pandora play something on spotify I mean, most, those all most, have to work most of them do that now like i mean even google assistant does that you can do spotify pandora google music amazon prime you know you can do them all with the assistant and, and i think i think the echo is actually the same way echo does spotify it doesn't do Google Music. It does Spotify, Pandora, and uh, and obviously Amazon. Well, I wanted to do Google Music. Yeah, and in the the Minecraft, they were tying into uh, what's the open source media streamer that everybody uses? VLC. No, not VLC. It's like a whole entertainment system. Uh, Cody. Cody. Yeah. Flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were tying into Cody. Yeah. So I might have to check this out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you would. So, what's your idea? Oh, spit it out. <laughs> we're getting late, huh? How late are we? Holy crap, we're late. I'll, we can talk about it next week. <laughs> no, uh, so it doesn't seem so relevant anymore. But I have. I'm starting. I'm starting to toy with this idea. We have a client who has very very limited capabilities for posting to the web. Um, and they keep trying to have these like, customized interfaces made so that their salespeople can go in and create these uh, blob entries for their their marketing site, but it never works the way they want it to work. Like, oh, you know, they want to be able to add graph graphs um, graphics, but be able to move the graphics around. And, yeah, you know, the, the the formatting never translates, and so they they've been paying other agencies to try to develop this stuff for them, and and they finally they finally came to us and it's like, you know, is this something you guys can do? And I've been thinking about solutions for, and it's not particularly a project I want to take on, but I, at the same time, I don't want them going other places because they go to other places, the other place does something, the agency does something, and then. My client wants us. To... Why? Why do we need you anymore? No, no, no. My client wants us to manage it. <laughs> you know, they're like, okay, you know, they they made this uh, WordPress site, but you know, our our salesperson they can't get the font right on this page. And I was like, well, because that's not how this WordPress site works. You don't, you can't do it like that. So I've mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it, and with Markdown being as popular as it is now with so many tools out there where like I, I, we were talking about tool belts earlier. I've been using this notion um, uh, app, which allows me to write all these notes in Markdown and X and I can export the Markdown. I'm like, you know, I'm wondering, I'm thinking about building basically a system where their sales team can take whatever tool they want to create markdown interfaces like markdown advertisements and then 
all I care about is the markdown, right? Just export the markdown, upload it to this portal somewhere, and you know, we'll parse it out and, and make pretty HTML for you. That that seemed to that seemed to be so much more thought out, and I had so much more to explain earlier. But it seems like there should be packages out there for that right now, don't you think? Like a a markdown text input. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like. Yeah, I, I guess where I could take a file, a markdown file, upload it, like a CMS system for markdown. I don't know. I don't actually even know what I want yet. Maybe like a WordPress, but instead of them inputting stuff in the website, they would just do it in a markdown file and then upload it. Well, I've implemented a WYSIWYG that uh, that had markdown support in it. Yeah, I thought so about doing was, that it, too. But see, they, they need to be able to it do was it. A... They need to be able to do it offline. Like, like, I don't want them on the website. I want them in another tool in, that... that and I guess part of the problem is Markdown isn't completely standardized, but be able to do it in another tool, get it to look and feel, you know, how they want it to look and feel, and then export it to Markdown and then upload that. Well, does, uh, I think Gedit has a Markdown version where you can see it as you write it. Yeah, and you can set the well, you can set the formatting. Well, like I said, the the the, the app I use, that Notion app I use, it's it's all WYSIWYG. I mean, you don't know it's Markdown, but when you go to export, that's what it does. It exports in Markdown, and that's that's what I'm saying. I just I give them, I tell them to use Notion, for example. I'm like, hey, design your page here, and then export it. I don't even tell them it's Markdown. Just say, hey, here you know, here's the export key export it yeah yeah take that file and upload it to you know, your website and everything should translate i think, I think yeah I, you kind of need an offline WYSIWYG for that yeah i think notion might actually be the solution i mean notion you can actually serve stuff up as, as a web page right from here if you really wanted to i've done that before but that's not what we're talking about this would allow them to design their design their page and then drag stuff around, you know, rename stuff, and uh, maybe that's what I'm going to do. Maybe, maybe I have them edit edit their pages in Notion, export the um, the markdown, and then give just give them an interface to upload it to. That's my idea. I think. Now I just need time to build it. My USB idea is better. <laughs> got a built-in monetization system it's got it's got everything all right i think we're running along you can tell because john gets quiet and starts just drooling uh, i've been up since five i'm ready to go to bed hmm. i gotta be up at five again tomorrow let's wrap it up Why? What, what's happening at five o'clock gotta go to gotta go to the gym he has to get up <laughs> You've been going to the gym Ugh. at five o'clock in the morning. God, God. interesting. Yeah, and you still can't, still can't make it. Into the I had a dentist but... appointment. Good, good, good to know where had, your uh, dedication's I, at. I had a dentist I'm glad to know. <laughs> glad to know where your focus is. Okay. Good. Good. I've been. I've only uh, been here all day. Offline. Did, I, did, did some interviews. Thought you were gone for the day. 
Everybody, yeah, John, John, let me know that apparently I've been offline for like the last week on today. Slack. Today only. <laughs> nice. Oh, was it only today? Because yeah. certain developers have been saying it's been days. Like, for days I've been Uh-oh. offline. <laughs> certain developers who care to notice more than John does. I do notice. I don't, I don't try to write to people when they show offline. Again. Again, this is why I uh, I need to stream my workday so people can see I actually work and I don't just sit around and uh, watch baseball all day long. And that is exactly why I can't stream my workdays because you already got my company to implement uh, stand-up Alice, <laughs> causing me enough headaches. <laughs> I don't see how that's my fault. It's... No, I remember the conversation clearly. It's 100% your fault. <laughs> So the three of us were standing there, and you said, hey, you know, it'd be uh, more work for Thomas to my boss. And my boss said, that does sound like a good idea. Uh, your boss and I are supposed to do motorcycle riding. We've got to get together at some point and do that. Yeah, he's busy aging in reverse now. Yeah, he's, uh, what's that? Cumberbatch? What's the, the the Brad Pitt character? Benjamin Button? Button, yeah. He's going all Benjamin Button, huh? Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it. If you guys are good with it, I'm good with it. This is going to be absolutely. What was he that? Said, absolutely, absolutely. That's oh, this is going to be episode 149. This is the grind, people. 149 weekly, we come to you. No other podcast does this. No other, no other developers care for your entertainment as much as we do. We do it 149 times in a row. Almost. Well, a couple here and there, but you know. Oh, nearly. It's it's been a grind, but we love you. It's fine. I am, as always, your humble host, Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.